Hello, I'm Dwayne Peters with the Lupus Foundation of America, which is the founder and owner of the open access journal Lupus Science and Medicine that is published by BMJ. Our guests on this podcast include Dr. Ashira Blazer, Assistant Professor of Medicine in the Division of Rheumatology at the New York University School of Medicine in New York City and the NYU Langong Health Center, and Dr. Ida Zifa Day, Senior Lecturer at the University of Ghana Medical School, Consultant Rheumatologist at the Korlebu Teaching Hospital, and Director of the Rheumatology Initiative in Akar, Ghana. In this podcast, we will be discussing the article Apolipoprotein L1 Risk Genotypes in Guianian Patients that is available for free online at lupus.bmj.com. Let me begin with you, Dr. Blazer. What is apolipoprotein L1, and what's its role, and why is it of interest among this population? Apolipoprotein L1 is a gene that is very commonly mutated in people of West African ancestry. It's similar to the sickle cell story in that these gene mutations have been evolutionarily conserved in these populations because it offers a protection against African trypanosomiasis, which is the disease pathogen that causes African sleeping sickness. Like the sickle cell story, APOL1 mutations are associated with an adverse outcome when carried in homozygous form, meaning you have two copies of these mutated genes. And it's been discovered for its association with end-stage kidney disease by a number of causes. The first associations were actually found in hypertensive kidney disease, but we've gone on to discover that these gene mutations associate with lupus nephritis, with FSGS, and a number of other causes like HIV-associated kidney disease. What are the risks associated with this genetic variant? So this variant increases the risk of end-stage kidney disease. It also increases the risk of chronic kidney disease. There have been other studies that show that there's an association with high blood pressure as well as microvascular disease. So a very important study that came out in Ghana showed an association between carrying these genes and the development of microvascular stroke. And all of that is particularly important in lupus because these are the comorbidities of lupus that associate with morbidity and mortality. Why did you conduct this study and what were its goals and aims? In this study, we wanted to look at the association between lupus outcomes and APO1 genotype in a Ghanaian study cohort. And the reason why we chose to look in this area is because this is an area of the world where these genetic polymorphisms are very common. So this is also an area of the world where there are many cases of severe lupus. But we also thought that because APO1 is this genes in context story where it's not just enough to be carrying the risk variants, you also have to have an environment that precipitates the adverse phenotype. We thought that having a parallel study to our previous in African Americans in West Africa, so in Ghana, would give us a lot of information about the differences in association and ultimately the environment that leads to an adverse outcome. Dr. Day, can you describe for our listeners the population that was studied and the reasons you wanted to study this population? The study was taken as we knew the risk factors associated with apolipoprotein 1 and looking at the risk 
that had been associated with it. We looked at the outcomes that we had seen in our patients where data that we had published um, looking at admission rates among our SLE patients showed that the mortality rate was about 43.1%, which was quite high compared to other cohorts that had been reported. Looking at the data as at the time we're doing the study as well, about 55% of the patients within the first year would have developed lupus nephritis. What was driving this was not exactly known. We know that people of African ancestry as has been reported in African Americans and other populations show that they tend to have severe disease. And lots, a lot of data had been published in Africans about exactly what is driving this. So we thought that given that this is an inception cohort, there's not a lot of interventions that have been done. This was a right population to look at to see that whether this gene was what was influencing disease outcome, as well as the other environmental versus genetic, and then other social factors that could have also influenced it. The study population after the time of the study included all Ghanaian lupus patients who were aged from 18 years and who consented to the study. This cohort had been established since 2012 as the first um, lupus clinic in Ghana. So we have patients who come from all over the country. So it's quite representative of different ethnic groups as well as different um, socioeconomic backgrounds. So we thought that this was quite representative population of those who had lupus in the country. Based on the power calculation, we needed about 42 patients, but we aimed to recruit about 100 patients for the study, which we did. What we also did, which made it unique, was we involved the patients and explained to them what we needed from the study and how it might be beneficial for them. And so the patients were also informed about the study and the choice whether they wanted to participate or not. What was the motivation for undertaking this study? Even though it's known that the apolipoprotein-1 is more common, in fact, mostly seen in people of African origin, not a lot of studies have been done in Africa that looked at it precisely in lupus patients. There have been lots of studies in nephritis, in cardiovascular disease, mainly among African-Americans, but where the gene is actually thought to originate from, that is Africa, a lot of studies haven't been done. Just a few studies have been done in South Africa, one which seemed to suggest that indeed it may be associated with nephritis and one which they didn't quite agree. So it was thought it was quite important given the high mortality, the severity of disease that we see in our patients, and the fact that we know that inflammation tends to augment the effect of this gene if they have it. To find out whether that is what is also contributing to the high mortality and morbidity rates in our lupus patients. Okay, what were the study results? What did you learn? It was an extremely illuminating study because we were able to show that there was a contribution of APO1 polymorphisms for damage accrual in lupus and particularly kidney and cognitive domains, despite there being no differences in disease activity. So in our lupus patients, we often measure disease activity using the Selenia Slidae, and we associate this with damage accrual. But what we found was that those patients who carry two copies of the variant were accruing damage over a short period of time, 
even though their inflammatory markers were in some cases better than other patients. For example, their double-stranded DNA titers, antibody titers, which are usually associated with worsened disease, were actually lower in the double variant carriers, and yet they developed progressive disease, and particularly progressive kidney disease. What were the key findings? What is the primary takeaway from your analysis of the data? We don't necessarily think about this genetic risk factor when we are determining prognosis in lupus patients. We also don't necessarily think about it with regard to nephritis. So in lupus nephritis, we rely heavily on yeah, clinical biomarkers. So their proteinuria on urine dipstick or on urine protein to creatinine ratio, maybe some of their serologic markers like complement and double-stranded DNA. And then we also rely on kidney biopsies. However, we don't test patients for APO1 polymorphisms. And one of the things we found in the kidney domains was that patients who had two copies of these variants had higher levels of proteinuria despite, again, comparable clinical markers. And that continued through the three time points. We also found that of the five that went on to end-stage kidney disease, three of them carried two copies of the variants. So even though this is a marker that we're not looking at in patients of African ancestry, it is influencing outcomes and, in fact, the worst outcomes in lupus and lupus nephritis. I think it adds to our understanding of this genetic risk factor and how important it is for our patients because we know that we have to control damage and control nephritis progression in order to ensure good clinical outcomes in our patients. Well, how can your data and findings be used to improve patient care? I think that there are people who are thinking about including APOL polymorphisms in clinical genetic testing. There are a couple of sites in New York that are starting to do that. We don't offer this worldwide. Dr. Jay can talk a little bit about the ability to get this testing locally, but I think that this being such an important marker for people who are at risk for kidney disease, it may make sense to offer this to patients so that we understand the prognosis better. These genetically altered, there are two mutations, which from other studies that have been done in nephritis and other cardiovascular markers or disease and variables where it affects potentially modifiable. So this is a gene mutation that is potentially modifiable, unlike others that may not be. So if it's explored further, this is something that I think is worth looking at if it will influence the long-term outcome of the patients. Dr. Day, what are the benefits to identifying these markers, and how can physicians like yourself use them to identify patients at risk for severe disease? Again, if you identify those who have the marker added to other biomarkers that you use to monitor disease activity, you can identify patients who are at risk of severe disease early and make sure that they are well treated. Um, you control the um, inflammatory milieu, assay, which is what augments the gene, so that once those the inflammation milieu is lowered, the chance of them having bad outcomes, having damage, having an increased mortality might be lower than what is pertaining to I also wanted to add that I think one of the shocking things about this study was how high the association was between carrying two copies of the variant and end-stage kidney disease. So in previous studies done in the U.S., the associations between end-stage kidney disease and APO1 and lupus nephritis have been shown to be around maybe twofold, sevenfold is the highest I've seen. 
in this study, there is a 14-fold increased odds of developing end-stage kidney disease considering that you carry two copies of the variant. Now, we're a little limited by the power in the study, but I think that also shows that there are probably management factors that influence the likelihood of going on to end-stage kidney disease given that you carry the variants. I think comparing practice guidelines and comparing ways that we practice across countries and even standardizing for APOL1 polymorphisms can improve outcomes. And I think the other thing that this sort of gets to is improving availability of certain medications because a lot of the practice differences that we find are due to differences in medicines that are available in the U.S. compared to West Africa. And I think this study allows us to lobby for wider availability and wider marketing of medications that can be life-saving in these patients. So how might the data from this study change the perceptions about other similar investigations? I think it's really important to understand that this is a gene that's driven by the inflammatory milieu. There has been some work looking at the kinds of immune profiles that associate with higher risk given that people carry the copies of the variants. I think where we go from here is to compare outcomes across treatment modalities and understand how certain inflammatory pathways can potentiate the consequences of carrying the gene and how we might change the inflammatory microenvironment to improve outcomes specifically for variant carriers. Recently in lupus, there have been a number of drugs that have come out for nephritis or that are coming out, and it's a very exciting time. I think that when we look at those trials, going back and determining who carries the variants and how those patients did could be paradigm shifting for the ways that we treat nephritis. So what do you believe is the most compelling takeaway from this study? How has it expanded our knowledge about the apolipoprotein L1 gene and its variants? I think overall, you know, we looked at the case fatality rate. 2% of people who carried no copies or only one copy of the variant passed away over the year of the study, compared to 25% of patients who carried two copies of the variant. That is a staggering toll, and it shows us how profoundly these variants affect patients, but it also shows us how we really need to be able to offer the proper therapies once patients go to end-stage kidney disease so that we can preserve life. Dr. Day, your final thoughts? I'm going to find this quite an exciting study in terms of the fact that, yes, we know that patients of African ancestry have worse outcomes. The research reason is not known, but confirming that this is what actually pertains as well in African patients adds on to the studies that have been done. And so there's a need to look at this further and see how this can be modified to help patients in future have better outcomes. Dr. Blazer, your final thoughts? I think this study helps us understand also some of the pathogenesis of APOL1 because it's widely understood as this gene that affects the kidneys, but we also got somewhat of a signal with regard to cognitive impairment. 
And I think given that other studies in the area have shown this association with microvascular stroke, and also there have been a couple studies in the U.S. suggesting that there might be an association with microvascular stroke in the U.S., I think it helps us understand the parts of the body that are affected by these gene polymorphisms and why something like hypertension, which then also worsens microvascular disease, might be important to control. It gives us clues into how to manage patients who carry two copies of these variants. Well, this certainly has been a very important study, and one that has greatly contributed to our understanding about the apolipoprotein L1 gene among people of African origin. I really appreciate you taking time to speak with me today about your study. Our guests have been Dr. Ashira Blazer, Assistant Professor of Medicine in the Division of Rheumatology at the New York University School of Medicine in New York City and the NYU Langung Health Center, and Dr. Ida Zifa Day, Senior Lecturer at the University of Ghana Medical School, Consultant Rheumatologist at the Korlebu Teaching Hospital, and Director of the Rheumatology Initiative in Accar, Ghana. They were speaking about their paper, Apolipoprotein L1 Risk Genotypes in Guianian Patients. It's available for free online at lupus.bmj.com. For Lupus Science and Medicine and BMJ, I'm Dwayne Peters with the Lupus Foundation of America. Thank you for listening.